are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Wow, wonderful. Good, good morning and, and welcome again to, to Hope Church. My name's Chris and uh, just along with John, I'd like to extend my welcome to you. Uh, it might be that um, you're listening in for the first time or maybe you've been joining us for a few weeks and I just want to say that you're so welcome. It's great that you're with us today. Um, we've got Bibles and uh, if we're going to be preaching, we preach through the Bible every single week. Um, we take a different chapter uh, or a few verses and we go through it. At the moment, we're going through the series on Acts, um, but this week we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And if you would like a Bible, then I'd love to bring one to you. I, I could, we could put it in the post, I could drive it around to your house, um, just get in touch and we will get you one of our Bibles. They're just new international version niv version bibles and we'd love to give you one as a free gift from us so you can get hold of that um but yeah uh, today like i said we're going to be in acts and we've we've called this series acts of the church you know and acts of the church we called it that because we see throughout especially these first eight chapters that we're going to go through we see the um church of god really grown and being established and we're looking at what do they do to for what can we expect in in our time today hope church though is part of a family of churches called commission and we have loads of churches locally in surrey but also across the uk and in over 10 different nations um, and this morning actually i get the joy of preaching in one of our other commission churches in southampton called life church so that's the the kind of joy of uh, technologies that i get to be in two places at once um, so that's great too but yeah like i said here in guildford uh, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2 and as we prepare to kind of come out of lockdown and start meeting together again in just over six weeks time or so we wanted to look at this earliest gathering of Christians to see what they did and therefore look at what can we expect in Hope Church today and uh, so if you've missed it do catch up with uh, the season opener that was uh, last week week one uh, in chapter one but today we're going to specifically look at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's today's talk title, Filled by the Spirit. And, uh, and that's what we're going to delve into. This talk is going to be quite practical talk. I'm going to answer six questions that kind of arise out of this chapter. Questions like, uh, when did it all start? What's the kind of background uh, into this? Is it for now? Is the Holy Spirit for me? What can I expect if I am filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of it? What is it for? And how can I receive him? How can I receive the Holy Spirit's presence in my life? There, there are six key questions. But before we get to those ones, uh, which we'll go through, I want to ask you a question just to ponder quickly. And that is this. How do you feel about this topic of being filled with the Holy Spirit? When Christians or church leaders talk about it, how does it make you feel? And just, just be honest with yourself. It's good just to yeah, bring out whatever kind of comes to mind. What, what does this kind of, how does it make you feel? Might be that you feel nervous or anxious, maybe disillusioned. Perhaps you feel that you, 
you're not worthy to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you just think, oh, you know what, it's just it's not for me, or, or you're not really fussed about whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit or not. You sort of, this, you know, you access church fine and you know, access the Bible fine and you it's here or there. Maybe you're happy either way. Maybe you just feel like it doesn't really make a difference. Maybe you feel it was for a different time. Uh, maybe it was just for the apostles in the in the Bible or the you know the early church, but not for today. M- maybe you were filled with the, God's presence and His Spirit in in the seventies or eighties or nineties, uh, but maybe over the last decade you've felt His presence much less, and you kind of think, well, that was for a different time, and and we've moved on now. Culture has moved on. Church has moved on. Maybe it's you feel it's just for one occasion, and you've had your dose, and that's it. So now you just need to get by maybe you feel it's just for the young maybe you feel it's just for the old maybe you feel it's just for the super keen or the leaders or uh, a particular type of church or a particular type of christian might be you have none of those feelings and you're super excited and you're desperate to see god break through again and and you pray for the spirit to fill you regularly and you experience being filled with the spirit on an ongoing regular basis you know, for me, over uh, this last year and a half, I've probably felt all of those different emotions and feelings from disillusionment, frustration uh, to, you know, is this something that I can only really experience when we're in a gathered group or can I know this by myself in my home? What difference does it make to excited, to desperate to see God break, break through in my life and, and in Hope Church and in our lives in Guildford and beyond? Often, I found that what I feel comes out of what I believe, or what, what I know. And so I'm praying that today's talk is going to help you to have faith, to pray for God to break through in unimaginable ways in our homes, in our meetings, in our church, across our churches, across commission, across Christians, across our town, our cities and our countries, wherever we live and meet. I'm praying that we will be filled by his spirit to go about doing the things the thing that God, that Jesus began to do and teach um, in, in, in the Gospels. So today we're going to just cover the first half of Acts chapter 2. We'll, we'll look uh, next week into more detail at um, the second part where it talks about communion and baptism and, and other key things. But today we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 2 being filled with the Spirit. And Derek, one of our life group leaders, is going to read chapter 2 to us, the first half. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one of them hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, why are not all of those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each hear of them in our own language to which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figra, Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, 
and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this was what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I shall pour forth of my spirit and upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Holy Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire, and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that every one who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much, Derek, for doing that. Um, so there you go. There, there it is. Um, some of these most famous verses about what Christians call Pentecost right there being read out. And these verses that Derek just read is kind of when the church was born. It was a day when those 120 disciples who were sitting in a room were filled so powerfully with the Holy Spirit that they spilled out onto the streets in such a joyful affair that onlookers, they looked on in amazement. They, they thought they were drunk and, and Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 people listened to what they had to say and they became Christians themselves on that very day. The church just exploded. And so my first question then, it's good to ask, uh, is when did it all start? And um, in order to really appreciate when the day of Pentecost came, we need to kind of head back into the Old Testament to just appreciate the significance of this day. Now, the word Pentecost, it just simply means the 50th day in Greek. That's it. It's not like a special Christian word or something. It just means the 50th day. And 50 days had passed since Jesus' death and resurrection to that day of Pentecost. Jesus was with his disciples for 40 of those days uh, after he was resurrected. And he was teaching them many things like what we heard last week in Acts 1. And then he went up to heaven and he told them to wait. And then they waited another 10 days and hence the 50 days. But this is really significant because Jesus died and rose again during a festival, and that was the Passover festival. And the Spirit came 50 days later at another festival. That was the Festival of Weeks, Festival of Weeks. In fact, it's the third most important festival in the Jewish calendar. Let me just tell you a bit about the history of, that, of those two things. Originally, the Festival of Weeks had been a simple kind of harvest festival where people, the people of God would come to the temple and they would thank God for the harvest and, and they would pray for a greater harvest to come. So they'd thank him for what he's done and in faith they're looking forward to, to more that he's going to do in the following year, in the following harvest season. 
After a while though, that festival of weeks evolved into a much bigger celebration because it was also 50 days after the first Passover when Moses and the Israelites had left Egypt and crossed over the Red Sea. And so in Exodus, uh, where you can read about this, what happened was in the Passover, a lamb was slain and its blood was spilt on, a, on the wooden doorposts of their houses. Everyone who had enough faith to, to do that was spared death and they were brought through the waters of the Red Sea and then the people of God were established and it was called the nation of Israel. 50 days after that had happened, Moses was at Mount Sinai. He was meeting with God and God gave Moses the law. He gave him the Ten Commandments to show the people, his people, how to live and how to follow him, how to be obedient to him, how to trust him and, and be his people on in the world, on, on this nation. So this festival is a festival of worshipping and praying to God for the harvest and, uh, and in faith for the future harvest to come. And it's also a festival to uh, remember how we receive God's law and learn how to follow him. And this is amazingly significant as God chose this day, this celebration to fill his disciples with his promised Holy Spirit, signifying a greater harvest to come that they could ever imagine. And we see on that very day, 3,000 added to their number and many more in the days afterwards. And you know what? Also, 50 days after Jesus, the Lamb of God, his blood was spilt on a wooden cross. God sends the Holy Spirit to fill his people to live a righteous life which the law could never achieve, helping them to follow God, to obey him, changing their hearts from stone to flesh, filling them with the Spirit, pouring out his gifts so that the true festival of the harvest could be celebrated as they come to God, they call on his name and they say, only by you and by your Spirit can we live by you and live for you. 50 days, Pentecost, significant in the life of Israel, the people of God, and mightily significant for Christians today. Isn't that incredible? But I, not only that, we're talking about, um, but when this, when this all kind of started, it had been prophesied actually for hundreds of years. So not only is those 50 days significant, but actually the people of God had been looking forward to this day for hundreds, in fact, even thousands of years, right back in Exodus, where, you know, just after the, the Passover, where Moses led the people out of Egypt, they, they ended up not going straight into the promised land, but they were in the desert and the people of God were frustrated and they were fearful and they lacked faith. Uh, they lacked faith for really what God could do. And so what happened was that uh, Moses, he prays to God and he longs for a day when God would fill his people with his spirit. That's what he prays for. God, you know, he's like saying, God, would you, you know, these people that, that don't trust you and don't know you, I'm praying, oh God, that that day would come when you fill them with your spirit, that their, yeah, their hearts turn to you and they know you, that they might live for you and know that you are their God. All of that is in Numbers 11. You can check it out. A few hundred years later, Ezekiel prophesies in Ezekiel 36. You can read the words on the screen. It says this, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. 
I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Isn't that incredible? He, Ezekiel is prophesying that I'm going to fill with my spirit to help you follow the laws, the very thing that God gave Moses at Mount Sinai. And it will be done through your heart, in your spirit. Then you will be my people, he says, and I will be your God. Hundreds of years after that, Joel prophesies. And it's actually what Peter quotes in uh, Acts chapter 2, which we just read out. And Joel says, the day of the Lord is going to come and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so we, we have all this rich history and then we get to Acts. And it must have been, I mean, so exciting and exhilarating after this has happened because there's so much history, which is why Peter can just, you know, on the spot, draw from all from Joel's prophecy and, and draw from the history of it. But up until that point, perhaps really frustrating, a frustrating time, because for hundreds of years, they didn't have this. God sent his spirit to fill individuals every now and again for seasons, but his spirit being um, out and, and spread out into all people was something completely new. So new that people were shocked and they thought they were drunk. What's these 120 people spilling out? Long gone were Ezekiel and Joel. And, you know, a thousand years before, Moses had cried out. And John the Baptist even comes and, and he's a bit odd and, and he kind of says, hey, this is coming. And he prophesies that as well. And then the Messiah finally comes and, and John goes, hey, here, here's the Messiah and he's coming and he's going to do it. Jesus is there. And Jesus says, hey, no, you've got to wait. And I think this is why this event is just so spectacular, because it is, like I said, steeped in so much history and prophecy and longing, but also waiting, so much waiting. And, you know, um, I wonder if actually we can connect with that. Because I guess for us, you know, we also see that long gone are kind of Peter, James and, and John and, and, and long gone is Jesus on his presence on this earth through bodily form. And sometimes we can struggle with the waiting. We talked about this last week, but Peter says, no, God is coming by his spirit and he's clothing them with power filling them and he Peter he gets up and he preaches he says no Jesus is not dead he's alive it's what we've been singing what James was leading us in song he's alive he's he he died he rose he ascended but now a new era has become an era we can enjoy God's presence with us like that people at the time waited hundreds of years for the promised Holy Spirit we 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 wait don't we we do wait like them but we can trust that God is faithful to his promises he is faithful to his word he is faithful to what Moses Ezekiel Joel prophesied he is faithful to what we see in Acts and God's timing is amazing and you know what we can trust that just as his just as he is able to fill those disciples then he is able to fill us now here too so what was it all about? Well, there's a lots of history there, which I just run through, but it was a spectacular day. And I guess a second question and a third question is, is it for me or is it for now and is it for me? And we'll do these two together. Is it for now and is it for me? Luke leaves us in no doubt that this gift is for everyone. 
In fact, it was the kind of question being asked at the time of Peter. Uh, and he gets up, doesn't he? And everyone thinks that they're all drunk. Um, it says it's the third hour. That means 9 a.m. for us. And he explains to them, no, it's not because I'm drunk. This is for everyone. He says, in those last days, God says, he will pour out his spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men and old men are in there. Servants are in there. Everyone, rich and poor. He reminds them of Joel's prophecy that it is for old uh, for all people, old and young, rich and poor, uh, male and female. And, and, and so he quotes from that. Later on, he says, uh, when, when everyone had heard, when this is in, later on in chapter th- in verse 37, when everyone had heard what was being said, they said to the brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, The promise is for you, your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. It's for everyone. Peter is in no doubt. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, they meet a bunch of people that have turned to Christianity, but they're not from a Jewish background. And they complain, hey, wow, this is amazing because they've received this same gift of the Holy Spirit just as we did. Just as the apostles did in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 10, they meet people that aren't Jewish who have received the Holy Spirit in exactly the same way. In Acts chapter 19, Paul finds some people who believe in Jesus and he asks them, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit? There is an expectation that until Jesus returns, which is what it means by that phrase, the last days, that everyone, including us in 2021, will know a God who pours out his spirit on all people who call on his name. In our chapter, the 3,000 people were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd never seen Jesus before, just like us. They'd never heard um, about him up until this point. And, and that might be the same for many of us. And yet, they asked the disciples, hey, how can we be filled? How can we know God? And Peter says, hey, you just come, turn to him, repent, come and be baptised. In the name of Jesus, come and get your forgiveness of sins from him and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. This is amazing news. Uh, and so far from the Holy Spirit just being from the, for the apostles, here we see it declared over and over, this promise that God has said throughout all the generations and that we see in Acts that it's for you, your children, all who are far off. It's every generation, all who will call on the name of the Lord. So is it for now? Absolutely. Is it for me? Yeah, it's for everyone who believes. So if you've put your trust in Jesus, then you can be confident and you can cry out and you can pray and you can ask God and he will fill you. And it's something that we should expect to occur regularly. You know, in Acts chapter four, Luke deliberately uses language that expresses that Peter and the disciples were filled afresh regularly. It's not just that they were full. It's not just that they they received God's Holy Spirit once and that was enough. No, it's, it's this regular language. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul stresses that they must go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. For those that believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit was just for the apostles and for those that think um, that it's just for one occasion, uh, like when we become a Christian or get baptised, Luke, Paul and Peter all stress that this is for every generation for every believer, for an ongoing basis, day by day, to live for him, to to follow his laws, just like Moses, Joel and Ezekiel prophesied. 
And so today we get to experience and seek God for it. And if you want to live for Jesus, if you want to follow him, if you want to be obedient to him, if you want to be effective in evangelism and preaching and ministry and serving and administration and all the things that the spirit wants to give, then we need to be filled regularly. Is it for me? Yes. Is it for now? Absolutely. And so question four, what can I expect? You know, what can I expect then when I when I pray to God, when I'm filled with the spirit? Well, in the rest of the book of Acts, uh, we don't quite see wind and tongues of fire um, accompanying baptism of the Holy Spirit like, like we do in this. Nor does the gift of speaking to foreigners in their own language seem to appear. So I don't think that we should necessarily expect that to happen like what we see here. But across the New Testament books, we do see gifts of prophecy, dreams, visions, interpretation, discernment, wisdom. We, we see people being filled with a sense of joy and awe and wonder. We see people expressing themselves to God in unknown language called tongues and uh, others interpreting that to encourage the other believers around them. We see healing and signs of wonders and gifts and prophecy and uh, scripture being read out and shared. We see people having an overwhelming sense that God is real. They just know it in their hearts. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says this about the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he brings. It says that there are different kinds of gifts, but hey, you know, it's the same spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same law. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then it lists some. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And that's important, isn't it? It's for the common good. It's for everyone. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So what can I expect? Well, you can expect God to fill you with an overwhelming sense of peace and joy and, and love and uh, just a, a knowledge of him. You can just know him. And you can also expect gifts. You can expect, you can expect gifts of perhaps words of, of knowledge that you might be that God reminds you of like a Bible verse or a scripture. or He brings a, an incident to mind that speaks of something of him or, or something you saw or watched that week. He, he moves in you to, for the common good of the believers in, in your presence. God is able to give you poems and scripture and uh, art, I know artists who draw paintings are inspired by the Holy Spirit. God is able to do imaginable things and a whole multitude of things as he fills you with spirit. And I think most of all, he, he gives you though, he, he gives you a sense of I'm with you and I'm for you and I love you. An overwhelming sense that he is your God and you are his people. Yeah. So what is it for? What's the purpose? Question five, what is it for? What, what is the whole point of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Verse 11 says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? It's a great question. What does this mean? And Peter tells them and, he, uh, and says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The kind of purpose of the spiritual gifts of being filled with the Spirit 
is action, that others might come and know God. You know, it's so possible to reduce being filled with the Spirit as a personal, isolated experience that's just for me and that's it. But as Paul describes in Corinthians, that the Spirit is poured out for the common good. And as we mentioned last week, whenever we see God's people being filled with the Holy Spirit throughout Acts and throughout the New Testament, we see God at work moving in people's lives, moving in lives of people that don't know him yet. The people of God are filled and then they act. And in this chapter alone, you know, Peter gets up and he preaches. And this happens multiple times throughout Acts. That they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they get out and share what's happened. They spill out literally onto the street. They're, they're overjoyed and people are wondering and questioning and asking. Other times they're, they're filled and they go out and they just pray for people. And they see healings take place. Action always seems to follow filling. People come to God. They ask questions, they're intrigued, they're interested. You know, God wants us to enjoy being filled with the Holy Spirit, but he does it for a purpose. His spirit has a mission, and that is to see all come to know him from every nation, every background, every language and every tongue. You know, we've just been through the book of Genesis, haven't we, where God disperses all the languages at the Tower of Babel. But after it comes a promise that through Abraham's descendants, God is going to bless all the nations. And we see God's commitment to see all people brought to him over and over and over again throughout the Bible. And as is promised here, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out. All the nations are present because of the festival that's going on. And hey, guess what? They, they turn and they praise God in awe and wonder as they hear the Spirit of God speaking to them in their own language. God is kind of reversing what happened at the Tower of Babel back here as he pours his Spirit out and they hear God's being declared glorious and magnificent in their own tongue. When the Spirit is poured out, people from all the nations are blessed, just like God promised to Abraham. Action takes place. In um, Luke chapter 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, not just to have a, an isolated little bubble church meeting where we all feel happy. No, the Spirit is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. When the spirit breaks out, action takes place. Scripture is central. People get saved. Poor are welcomed. Joy, love and peace is poured out. Healings take place. The marginalised and the lowly are honoured and uplifted. Freedom is found. You know, Jesus began his mission in the Gospels and now through the people of God, filled by the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues his work to see all come to know him and call on his name. Not just people from one area or one class or one background, but all people, and that includes me and you. God wants all Christians everywhere to be filled by the power of the promised Holy Spirit. It wasn't just some of the 120, but all were filled. And the church exploded and through them God continues his mission on earth today to see all come to know him from every generation, from every class, colour and country. Do you know what Hope Church? That means us. That means every single one of us. And that's what we can expect as, 
as we as we pray, as we prepare in sort of six, seven weeks' time to start gathering together again on a regular basis, and I know that some of you already are in your life groups, which is great. As we as we pray for one another, as we seek God in our homes, as we cry out to God, we, we ask Him to fill us with His Spirit, and we should expect Him to be at work in our conversations, in our workplace, in our streets, in our schools, in our university, and because the, the natural consequences of encountering a spirit-filled Christian is to be blessed and to meet with God. Do you believe it? Do you feel God staring you? Staring you? Uh, do you feel challenged to, to, to seek him and to ask him? This isn't just for the few. Come on, it's, it's not just for the leaders, but it's for all who call on the name of the Lord. Wherever stage of life you're at, I want to encourage all of us, come on, all of us to take time. Because do we do it? Are we doing? Are we seeking God? Are we asking him on a daily basis, God, fill me with your spirit today. Help me to live for you today. Help me to love others today. Help me to glorify you in my day. Help me to cast off sin. Help me, Lord God, to live a righteous life for you, uh, just as we know that you've promised. As we prepare to gather again, let's, let's, let's come together to enjoy meeting together and being filled and having com community and all those things. But let's also expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit, whose purpose is to uh, encourage us to, uh, to, for all our interactions with others to be impacted for his kingdom's sake, to see a great harvest that, that is to come as people come and call on his name. My last question is, how can I receive him? Uh, and I guess the answer is pray and keep praying. You know, ask and keep asking. Wait. And keep waiting. God pours out his spirit on who he wills. That's what it says in Ephesians, what we read out earlier. It's by his grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's by his grace. As, as again, as we saw last week, that just in the same as last week, as we see all the people gathering together this week, verse one, they were all together in the same place, praying, seeking, asking God. There just seems to be this corporate element of seeking God together, praying together, calling on him, waiting for him, uh, declaring his promises, reading his word, reading scripture, declaring that out, uh, that we see God at work. The promised Holy Spirit is for you. It is for you. It's for all who are for or off. It's for all who call on the name of the Lord. And I want to encourage you, come on, let's be a people that, let's read through Acts for ourselves. Let's make sure that we're seeking God and praying to God. Let's make sure that we're working through the pages of the Bible. Let's make sure that, you know, just like Peter, he got up and when he preached, he didn't have lots of clever words or anything. He just talked about Jesus. He just, he just told them about Jesus. He, he just said, hey, this is what Jesus did. This is what he said. This is how he acted. Do you know what? We can do exactly the same. In fact, in, the, in September, we're going to go through the book of Mark. We're going to just share about Jesus and talk about Jesus. But I want to encourage you to be doing that now, to, to, to fall in love with Jesus. And that's all you need to share. You don't need to lose heart or give up. God is faithful to his promises. Peter knew that. And I want to encourage us to know that too. To be a people that, that ask, that knock, that seek, that fall in love with Jesus again and again, who read about him, who get to know him, who pray to him and ask God to fill us. In a, in a second, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. And I just want to encourage you, as I do, as we pray, that I want to encourage us. God is faithful to his promises. Hundreds and hundreds of years, they went by and there were times of dryness, times of people losing heart. But let's not be that people. 
God is able to bring life out of our dry bones. These people, you know what? They didn't lose sight of scripture. They didn't ever stop believing because of what the culture said around them. No, they held on to what God says. They held on to his promises. They held on to all those prophecies and, and prayers. And do you know what? We're going to do the same and we're going to give him all the glory. I don't know how you're feeling about the whole topic of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your thoughts are, those things that you conjured up at the beginning. But I just want to encourage you. My prayer is that as a church, we will be faithful to spend time seeking him, meeting with him, letting his power fill us afresh, move in our midst, we pray. We want to do as we saw the people doing at the beginning of Acts. So let's pray that, shall we, for all of us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are good, that you're alive, you're not dead, but you're at work today. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can know you and meet with you and fill you in our homes and in our hearts. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, give us faith, stir us again, give us faith to trust in your promises, to believe you, to, 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 to seek you, that you might do in us, in our day, in our church, in, in our city, all that you did in the early church. Lord, we believe, Lord God, that, that this is for us today. We see that. We see, saw the expectation that Peter, James, John, Paul had that you would fill Christians who are far off from you. Lord, we're far from you. We're far from the time that you live, but we believe, Lord God, these promises are still here for us today. And so we're calling out to you, Lord God, would you pour out your spirit on us? I pray, Lord God, all across our church, for, for mums and dads, for, for children, for students, for, for those who are in elder years, for those who are retired. Lord God, I pray would you stir us with your spirit. Fill us afresh. Help us to know, Lord God, you are with us. You're for us. You're our God and we are your people. I pray stir us again that we might follow you and trust you, be obedient to you, and that we would see a great harvest take place in, in this place. Would, would we see many people come and call in your name, Lord God, because you are good and you are faithful we trust you in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.